best investment you can give your well-being today is a good night's sleep last night. Feeling well, feeling good, living with vitality today began with the quality of your recharge, the quality of your rest, the quality of your sleep last night. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. Benjamin Franklin put it so well when he said, early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. Such words of wisdom and yet so often misunderstood because traditionally many people have skimped on sleep and simply have not given themselves enough quality sleep each night to support optimal health and well-being. I remember my uncle Brendan, who was a wise family doctor. And when I was a boy, I remember him saying repeatedly about sleep that an hour before midnight was worth two hours afterwards. And I've often thought about those words over the years. I remember working as a young doctor in Irish hospitals and being sleep deprived, being up all night, working the following day, absolutely exhausted, with very poor concentration. And, you know, the Japanese have a term called inamurai, which translates to a sleep while present, this this sense of presenteeism, being physically present, but actually mentally asleep. You know, we're still only scratching the surface as scientists in terms of our understanding of sleep, but increasingly we are becoming aware of just how important, how vital a cog sleep is in terms of how the body and mind and emotions all interact and work to keep everything taking over. And it's really only by looking at the health hazards of not getting enough sleep that we can better understand just how important sleep is. And, you know, it turns out that when you've been awake for about 16 hours, your brain starts to fail. You get a buildup of adenosine and other waste products in the brain that make you want to fall asleep. This is known as the sleep switch. On top of that, the master clock in the brain, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, SCN, is very sensitive to natural light and to brain hormones, including melatonin. So these, along with other factors, make us want to fall asleep after about 16 or more hours. And when we fall asleep, there's really four stages from dozing to dreaming. So we've stage one, which is very light sleep, and then we go down through stage two, stage three, and then stage four. That's the deepest level of sleep when we when we dream our rapid eye movement occurs. And what we're learning is that if you don't get enough sleep, in other words, if you don't get at least five sleep cycles from dozing to dreaming each night, each sleep cycle lasts about 90 minutes, that it can have a significantly negative impact on your long-term health and well-being. And if you shortchange your sleep, the chances are you're going to shortchange not just your health, but indeed your life expectancy as well. Because if you're sleep deprived, you increase your risk of many adverse health conditions, including 
heart disease. In fact, research has shown that if you get less than six hours sleep a night, as a man, your risk of heart attack goes up by more than 200%. Poor sleep quality is associated with an increased risk of high blood pressure, irregularities of the heartbeat known as arrhythmias, including one known as atrial fibrillation, and also an increased risk of stroke. Lack of sleep increases your risk of diabetes, and even one week of distorted sleep can impact your blood sugar levels and trigger a condition known as pre-diabetes, where your blood sugar levels are raised. Lack of sleep has a significant impact on your immune system. Firstly, when you're sleep deprived, you release more substances known as inflammatory cytokines. They increase your risk of insulin resistance and heart disease. You produce less antibodies when you're sleep deprived. In fact, some research has found that if you're sleep deprived, flu vaccination may result in production of 50% less antibodies. In other words, that the flu vaccine is far less effective if you are sleep deprived. And thirdly, lack of sleep reduces natural killer cells in your body, which mean you are more prone to viral infections. When you're sleep deprived, it impacts many hormones in your brain that are involved in appetite control and weight management. So when you're sleep deprived, you produce more ghrelin. That's a hormone that says, I'm hungry. You produce less leptin. That's a hormone that says, I'm full up now. I don't need to eat anything else. So more ghrelin and less leptin make you prone to want to overeat. You also spend your time on the fight or flight stress state, pumping out more stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, which also increase insulin levels, which make you feel hungrier and make you more prone to store body fat. You also produce more endocannabinoids, which are hormones that make you feel hungrier. So all of this combination of hormone changes when you're sleep deprived can make you crave an additional 500 to 800 carbage calories each day. Lack of sleep can have a significant impact on your memory, because what we do know is that when you're sleeping, the G lymphatic system within the brain shrinks by more than 60%. And this is a way in which the brain can clear out broken bits of DNA, broken bits of cells, broken bits of protein, broken bits of clutter, stress molecules, and also amyloid beta and tau proteins that accumulate in the brain throughout the day. And what's interesting is these amyloid beta and tau proteins may play a role in dementia when they build up on a long-term basis. So, you know, there is some evidence that sleep deprivation not just impacts your memory on a short term, but also on a long-term basis. And when I think back to my time as a young doctor and being sleep deprived, being up working all night and then the next day, you know, when you're sleep deprived, it significantly increases your risk of road traffic accidents, drowsy driving. In fact, if you've got less than six hours or particularly even if you've got less than seven hours uh, sleep at night, you are more prone to what are called micro sleeps. Micro sleeps are where your brain falls asleep momentarily, even though your eyes are still open. And that temporary loss of concentration can significantly increase your risk of road traffic accidents. In terms of your emotional well-being, when you're sleep deprived, you go on to this stressed state, which depletes your emotional bank account of positivity. You become more impulsive and more reactive 
and less responsive. And, you know, that fine tuning mechanism between your prefrontal cortex, that's the, the CEO of your brain, that's the seat of reason and reasoning where you make your decisions and your emotional alarm clock, the amygdala, the red button, that fine tuning becomes impaired. So you're just more tuned and more wired into stress and toxic feelings of anxiety and, and panic and irritability. And of course, when you're sleep deprived, you're less able to appreciate nature. You're less able to appreciate awe and the natural environment as your sense of self is diminished and you reduce your sense of perspective. So we're still only scratching the surface in terms of our understanding of sleep, but they are some of the real day-to-day -day issues that can impact you from a sleep deprivation point of view. And of course, many people are not getting enough sleep and enough sleep generally means between seven and nine hours sleep a night. In fact, most people need eight hours. I talk about an eight hour sleep window to gift yourself eight hours sleep each night. Best investment you can give your well-being today is a good night's sleep last night. Feeling well, feeling good, living with vitality today began with the quality of your recharge, the quality of your rest, the quality of your sleep last night. If you're a leader who recognizes, particularly since COVID-19, that living with vitality and building a more resilient mind matter now more than ever for you and your team, then this podcast is for you. For further details, visit drmarkrow.com. So I want to talk now about some, some tips, some ideas that I would often share with patients to help them get a better night's sleep. And I think the first thing to say is you got to look at what your habits are during the day. So, you know, during the day, I think exposure to natural light is very good. Blue wavelength light is strongest in the morning before midday. So getting outdoors in the morning is really, really good for your 24 hour circadian rhythm for your 24 hour body clock. And just to give you an idea, if you're indoors in an office, you're exposed to perhaps 250 to 500 lux of light. Whereas if you get outdoors, even on a cloudy day, it may be 10,000 lux. That's way more intense in terms of light exposure. And on a beautiful sunny day, it may be up to 100,000 lux. And this lux exposure is very important to reset and optimize your 24-hour body clock. So they say at least 30 minutes of 10,000 lux intensity each day is, is optimal for your body clock. Go easy on the coffee because coffee is an adenosine receptor antagonist, which means it blocks adenosine. Adenosine and other waste products normally build up in your brain during the day, making you feel more tired and sleepy and kind of turning on the sleep switch, as it were, uh, after you've been awake for more than about 16 hours. So coffee and caffeine in particular in coffee, but also in tea, blocks that pathway, keeping you awake. Secondly, Caffeine is a very long half-life of four to six hours. So 300 milligrams of caffeine in your 11 a.m. Americano may result in 75 milligrams of caffeine being in your bloodstream 12 hours later. So you don't need to be a maths genius to figure out why caffeine can keep you awake. Now, caffeine can reduce your sense of sleep quality. It can reduce your total sleep time. It can make it harder to fall asleep and reduce the amount of deep sleep you get. So the overall impact of caffeine on your sleep can be quite negative. Now, coffee in moderation, of course, can be very good for your health, but I tend to recommend not to take caffeine in the second half of the day. And if you have difficulty sleeping, then perhaps you should, as an experiment, 
cut out caffeine for a while or just minimize it to one coffee in the morning and see what impact that has. Be willing to experiment and see what impact less caffeine has on your sleep quality. And of course, I need to say as well that if, if you're suffering from poor sleep, poor sleep may be a symptom of mental health issues, including anxiety disorder or depression or chronic stress. And the best starting point if you've got sleep uh, issues is to go and talk to your own GP who knows you best and is best able to determine whether you've got issues that may be having a negative downward drag on your mental health or not. But in terms of during the day, so natural light, watch the coffee, try not to eat late at night. As as an idea, try and stop eating within three hours of bedtime so that you can rest and digest properly before you go into that wind down for sleep. Carbohydrates in the evening can keep some people awake. Magnesium in your food, like in bananas and nuts and greens, can support a sense of calm and a sense of restful, restorative sleep. Having a bath at nighttime can lower your core body temperature and and lead to a more rapid release of melatonin that can bring on a more restful, restorative night's sleep more quickly. And I think one of the most important ideas about sleep is to have a proper wind down time at night. Now, I think one of the best markers of getting enough sleep is do you wake up in the morning rested and without needing an alarm clock? Because if you can wake up naturally without an alarm clock, it's a sign that you've had enough sleep. And just as we use an alarm clock in the morning to wake up, think of this idea of having an alarm clock at night to wind down because having a wind down time at night can be a great idea to, you know, defend the hour or two before you go to sleep with a relaxing routine that enables you to properly unwind and recharge from the day. This might include reading, watching some comedy, good conversation, a nice bath, as I said. But it's really important to avoid blue wavelength light in the couple of hours before bed because blue light tells your brain, particularly the SCN master clock in your brain, that it's daytime and it moves the sleep cycle further to the right, which means it takes longer to get to sleep. You also release less melatonin. So the quality of your sleep is impacted. You reduce uh, REM sleep. REM sleep is very important to extinguish feelings of fear and anxiety. So the net effect of being on your phone late at night and that blue wavelength light at nighttime is that you can get a digital hangover effect where you feel groggy, feel more irritable, more stressed, more anxious. And this can last for several days after the light exposure. So winding down at night, leaving your phone downstairs and avoiding blue light for two hours before bed can be a really powerful strategy to support more restful sleep. Keeping a journal, many people find it helpful to write things down. And certainly you can improve your sleep quality by writing your to-do list for the following day. It's a way of, you know, downloading pent up anxiety and worry and expressing gratitude is something I often talk about at the WWW, what went well and expressing gratitude even for small things that went well during the day. It's a, it's a great way to move away from feelings of anxiety and stress and plugging you into appreciation and abundance, moving you from the stressed state towards recharge, rest, restoration. And, you know, research from California has shown that that a nightly habit of expressing gratitude, writing down three things at night you feel grateful for, can uh, significantly improve the quality of your sleep, even by more than sleeping tablets. Of course, 
the environment of your bedroom can be very important when it comes to a good night's sleep. In simple terms, keep your bedroom as dark as possible. Keep it as cool as possible. Ideally, about 18 degrees Celsius. Ensure you've got a comfortable sleeping surface. Get the best bed and mattress you can afford. Get the most comfortable pillow that you can afford. And of course, keep your mobile phone and digital devices out of your bedroom. And if you do use an alarm clock, uh, make sure your digital alarm clock isn't facing you. Uh, so it's so it's out of sight to avoid clock watching at nighttime. I just want to mention alcohol because, you know, alcohol may be called a good servant, but it's certainly a bad master when it comes to your health and well-being. Basically, alcohol is a is not just a depressant drug, but it's also a sedative drug. So what it tends to do is it anesthetizes your brain. Your brain, after a few drinks, becomes frozen at stage two sleep. So you don't get down into a deep restorative sleep, getting down into stage three and stage, stage four sleep. And because of that, you don't get the deep restoration you need. In addition, your sleep tends to be quite fragmented. You tend to wake up often during the night, even though you don't recall that. And breakdown products of alcohol called aldehydes specifically interfere with your REM sleep. That means that you're going to feel more anxious. You're going to feel more stressed, a little bit more panicky, a little bit more reactive and less responsive after a few drinks. When you interfere with REM sleep, you also interfere with aldehydes in the building and consolidation of memory. So alcohol can have a significantly negative impact on your sleep quality. Something I would often say to patients is to, as an experiment, and if you're having some sleep difficulties, you know, use a journal and and track your alcohol intake and see if you can cut it out for a month or two and see what happens to your sleep and become more of an active participant in your own well-being and really become more aware of that what you do and your habits, how they impact on your health and your well-being and your sleep quality. Of course, I call exercise the greatest pill of all. And really, a regular exercise habit can really fine-tune your 24-hour body clock. And it's a terrific habit for promoting more restful sleep. Just don't exercise too late at night, as if you exercise within an hour or two of sleep, uh, of normal sleep time, all those lovely endorphins and positivity neurochemicals you release during exercise may actually keep you awake. Some people like to take a nap, uh, particularly in Mediterranean countries. And, you know, some people find that a nap really helps their sleep quality. Just if you are going to have a nap, what I would say is don't nap for longer than 20 minutes. As if you do, you go into the deeper stages of sleep and you may feel groggy when you wake up. You know, while a short nap of 10 to 20 minutes may be helpful for some people, you know, certainly napping after 4 p.m. is likely to interfere with your with your sleep clock at nighttime. Uh, if you snore, you may have a condition called sleep apnea. And it's important to talk to your doctor about that because sleep apnea is common and it can cause high blood pressure, stroke and heart disease. And if you know about it, you can do something about it. It can be very successfully treated with CPAP. Of course, there are many medical conditions that could interfere with your sleep quality. I mentioned already mental health issues, including anxiety and depression, of course, chronic pain syndrome uh, in, in middle-aged men, prostate issues may significantly impact sleep quality. So talk to your doctor uh, and see what you can do to get these issues sorted out. Some medications can affect your sleep quality as well. Some treatments for blood pressure or heart disease, steroids, some antidepressants like SSRIs can interfere with sleep, over-the-counter decongestants for co- coughs and colds, 
and some antihistamines may also impact on sleep quality. I don't believe in prescribing sleeping tablets. Um, some people are, have been on sleeping tablets for a long time and really can't get off them because sleeping tablets can be addictive both physically and psychologically. And long term, they do significantly increase your risk of falls. And they may also cause some sedation during the day, which makes you more prone to take more caffeine, which in turn negatively impacts your sleep in a sort of a virtuous cycle. So, you know, the best sleeping tablet to take, I believe, is none. Of course, sleeping tablets can be very helpful on a short term basis, but you need to be really mindful that you can become tolerant to dependent on and addicted to these. And they can have significant withdrawal effects when you stop them. So I think it's much better to look at lifestyle habits to support more healthful sleep. If you are suffering from chronic sleep deprivation, perhaps the most effective way to help that is through talking therapy. Counseling, cognitive behavioral therapy can be invaluable to support sleep if you go to a trained therapist. And finally, I want to talk about mindful practices because research has found that mindful practices, whether it's meditation or a simple mindful practice like my pause breathing technique, simply paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally, in other words, not judging, you're judging as it were, simply slowing your breathing, simply gifting yourself more presence has been shown to be very beneficial uh, to improve your sleep quality and quantity. Because, of course, mindful practice plugs you into Vegas, plugs you into recharge, plugs you into the natural yang to the yin of toxic stress, moving away from noise, moving away from stress, moving away from busyness. So in summary, if you want to think more clearly, if you want more focus, more attention, more willpower, and self-control in your day-to-day -day life, gift yourself more sleep. If you want to feel more positive, if you want to feel less stressed, less anxious, if you want to build a more positive emotional bank account, gift yourself more sleep. If you want to have better long-term physical health, reduce your risk of accidents and many chronic health conditions from diabetes and dementia to heart disease and many others, gift yourself more sleep. If you want to live with more vitality, value your sleep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.